Hello everyone, my name is Julie Renton. Welcome to the Hummingbird Chronicles podcast. So I've been wanting to do this for a long time, mm-hmm. even before this whole COVID mess started. I remember you telling me about it. I just needed to find the thing that worked. I think it's it's awesome you, you're doing it. I think this will be important for people to hear and to give people a new perspective on whatever it is. And that's what I want, yeah, Paul. Mo- I don't necessarily want it to be a podcast that's like directed towards one thing. Talking to people, having shared experiences, talk about their journey and whatever it is that they're going through, they went through, yeah. you're going to yeah, find... Sure somebody that relates to you in some way you must feel like if this can even help one person like you said to help one yes. person not feel alone one person realize like i'm not alone in feeling this way or thinking this way right that's good i mean that's so yeah right i had like a like a list in my head a handful of mm-hmm. people that i knew for a fact i wanted to have on i want to have paul on yeah. i think that i think that people would like to hear his story i'm so glad I'm you really did excited. i'm so glad you did oh thank you for having me on like honestly i think this is the coolest thing but we've known each other what a couple years through a few years now actually more yeah than three four years now yes which we probably yeah. don't remember this how i first i remember how I first yeah, met I remember you. The, I, I reached out to you. Yes. Uh, yes. The and rally. I remember. I, yes. I remember. You were encouraging me to like do the things I do. And even like, I don't know, I thought they were mundane or just like uh, and random. And like nobody like, cares. You reminded me and reaffirmed like, this is why I need to do what I'm doing. As little as it is, as much as I can try to do, you know, as, uh, I mean, it's nothing like on a crazy big scale, but mm-hmm. just trying to get people involved, trying to get people to think differently. If, if yeah. not, you know, if not, if not getting involved, at least in, in the political process. You know, I understand why people react the way they do and feel the way they do about politics because the system has been designed that way. It's been designed to, to make people feel fatigued, to make people feel like, mm. ugh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, yeah. you just, this is this is so, like, not my cup of tea, but it's, and it's like, I understand that. But that's the whole point is that you need to fight against that because everything and I, I tell this to as many people as I can who will listen to me I will always try to inspire people at least or at least try to get people to think differently about the political process if people care about their kids the way they say they do you know you see, you see so many posts or just hear people's comments about I love my kids so much I, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them it's like then why aren't you paying attention right why aren't you paying attention to the thing that's going to shape their lives and their grandkids or their kids lives you know your grandkids lives mm-hmm. so I mean, yeah, that's why I've always done everything I've done. I know people that are like, our vote doesn't even matter. Like, we don't even run things. Like, why are we going to even? And I I can understand that feeling. I really can. Because sometimes you do feel so helpless, so hopeless. Because you try so hard and you push this, like, narrative. Like That's the thing people need to remember, too, is that it's not going to be overnight. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as we want it to, as much as we believe it'll be, it's not going to be overnight. You know me, I always I always go back to Bernie. And I, I mean, there's things Bernie's yeah. done recently that I'm like, oh, God, excuses <laughs> for Joe Biden, you know, him him covering for Joe Biden, him like, you know, assimilating to the to the establishment. But he reminded us that it's a, it's a movement. It's not a moment, it's a movement. And, and you got to play it sometimes. So, sadly you have to it's sadly. gonna take it it's a struggle it's a struggle it's it's mm-hmm. literally the struggle of life and the struggle of politics these things aren't gonna take are gonna change overnight yeah it's so important to just stay focused to just stay it focused is. and to keep fighting you starting this podcast already to me is like that's that's a hell of a thing to do that's a service you know mm-hmm. you're not doing this 
for yourself. I I know you're doing this for other people, which is right. something so needed, yeah, especially like, in El Paso. Yeah, because you. Yes, Paul, because we don't mm-hmm. sometimes have the platform, but then when we do have a platform, we it's sometimes it's not a safe space for everyone. It's like if you can come on here, say what's on your mind, whatever it's you're comfortable wow. with, whatever it is, someone's going to listen. Someone's going to relate. It's something's going to resonate. Something's going to spark something for them, which is right, why right, for sure. I which is love. so needed. Obviously, my experience isn't completely unique. More a little different than than the norm, you know, being a gay Latino here in El Paso. Mm -hmm. I don't know, something about coming out when I was 16, I kind of not consciously, definitely subconsciously, it was like a promise to myself that I'll never hide who I am. Go back to hiding. filter who I am or not say what I'm thinking or feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, and as I get older... I'm learning to do it more diplomatically and more, more patience, yeah. patience. Yeah. Not, not trying to be in people's faces, but it's like, when I see something, when I see injustice, when I see something wrong or I hear someone, I mean, Julie, there's been times over the last couple of years that I'm like one person standing up, like or speaking out against something and like all the other people around me aren't saying anything, you know, like mm-hmm. a few years ago, I was working at this restaurant downtown and I, I happened to walk outside right before the end of my shift just to look at the weather and I saw the police beating up a homeless man. And he, this man was handcuffed on the ground and, and I ran to go get my phone and I go back and I start recording. And as I start recording, the policeman is punching this 56-year-old homeless man who's face down with handcuffs behind, hands behind his back and he's punching him and then the policeman, I, I'm filming and the, I, I, I run over, it's right in front of the, the library downtown. Yeah. The cop tried to detain me. This is back I in like 2016, no, 2017. I think it was, yeah, because like, I, I caught that. Yeah. They were like, step back over there. And, you know, and the cop started following me. He's like, stay back, get behind that line. I'm like, which line? That line. And I go into the library. And as I go into the library, the cop follows me in there and detains me. And then, you know, as I'm, as he's taking me out and he's putting me against the car or whatever, there's guys on like one of the buildings there downtown, like with the lofts. And they're on a balcony and they're yelling like, hey, you know, they're cussing. Like, he didn't, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Let him go, you know, with cussing at the cop. Which was good that there were people the there too. Up. Yeah, I mean, yes, because, but yes and no, because I'm like, why am I the only one, like, you know? Like I right, said, like, you're like, I'm glad that if I get into trouble or quote-unquote trouble, right? Like, somebody's yeah. here to say, no, he didn't do anything, but at the same time, it's like, you should I, probably be stepping in right now, too. Like, what, a year, two years ago, I was downtown and I was on the bus, and mm-hmm. these two women were speaking speaking spanish you know talking and this one may make this guy looked super mexicano Uh but he starts telling the women hey stop stop that you speak american and i heard and i i thought i misheard and then he said it again and i was like hey no i was like i was like what are you talking about so i told the guy i'm like hey that's bullshit you know Mm -hmm. like this is a fucking this country was founded by immigrants this is a melting pot that an american what is american you mean english Mm -hmm. and the guy looked super mexicano i'm like i told him i was like you look more mexicano than anybody on this bus Mm -hmm. what are you even talking about why is not anybody saying anything and if i say something i'm probably gonna do it by myself i mean that's when it comes down to we all need to stand up for each other because I mean, what happens when something is done to us and no one's speaking out? It's like, I mean, there's been plenty of times I'm sure that people can 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 point out where that's happened. I know that's happened to me, you know, like I said, a few times, like several times mm-hmm. over the years where I'm like, I'm the only one speaking up, really, like not not anybody else around me. And it's like, ni modo, you know, like this is, I couldn't imagine just not saying anything, you know? Right. Going back to the, the topic of the refugees, people are so quick to demonize and villainize these people. And I will point this out to anyone who will criticize 
the refugees, mm-hmm. you know, for coming over. Imagine the dire circumstances that it would take for you to be like, I can't stay here. Grabbing a backpack with my shit and walking and traveling hundreds, if not thousands of miles to a country I've never been to, where I don't even know what. But imagine where I'm probably not welcome. Horrible circumstances are. Yeah. Exactly. And still exactly. say, that's better than what I'm dealing better with. Better than this. And the thing too, the hypocrisy, and the, the really sadistic part of it is a lot of the conditions in these countries were have been perpetuated by, by the United States foreign policy. You know, the dirty Latin American wars, you know, like the different policies that we've implemented that have allowed the violence and mm-hmm. the living conditions in these countries and these yeah, places we, like, to be we, so unbearable. We are the people who did it. Yeah. Like, you know, what we as in like the nation. I will say I'm so glad Trump is not the president anymore. But what? having said that, <laughs> yeah, the big butt. And I mean, hey, people will give me shit for this. People will give me shit for criticizing Obama for criticizing Biden. And I'm like, but that's what we like, should hey, it's better do. Than Trump, right? That's what I that's- think. I think the problem with the last administration with Trump was that people idolized him. His people just made him out to be God. Like legit, I saw a video of a guy literally praying to him. So he was out, which I was so glad. But then you're right. Like this new administration comes in. He's not perfect. He's definitely not the answer. And if we cannot call it out, then we're doing the same thing the last, you know, four years were. And that cannot be it. No, for sure. And going back to the topic you mentioned a while, a while ago about uh, people feeling, you know, disenfranchised, people feeling like what w- discouraged, you know, why does my vote doesn't even count? And it's it sucks because the the primaries last year were a prime example. Bernie won the first three states in the primaries. No presidential candidate in the in the history of the United States of, of presidential campaigns mm-hmm. has a candidate ever won the first three states and not won the presidency. And, but hey, the establishment, they saw what was happening. They saw he won those first three states. They were quick. So Obama backed Joe Biden and, and Joe Biden won the South Carolina primary. And they were like, oh, that's it. Call the primaries off. The, that's it, Joe. We have our, our winner. I'm like, what? How do you? Can we wait the millions it out? Of people. <laughs> how, how, like, why? I didn't realize the primaries was, oh, the first three states go to the one guy. And if the fourth and if the fourth primary, if this other guy wins it, then he go, it goes to him. I mean, to me, I was like, and that just sense. goes to show you how how far the establishment is willing to go to mm-hmm. to to silence the people, to silence mm-hmm. anyone who's going to try to speak truth to power, yeah. truly, you know. And it sucks because it's like, it's so disheartening. You know, when, when mm-hmm. Bernie dropped out of the primaries last year, no, the so many people The second time was like even i think because he was so close it was we were we were on the cusp it was on like on the cusp of of like oh it's good it's happening like this is it we're actually this is for sure the time yeah (laughs) and then and then so it's like oh yeah yeah, like with joe biden it seemed i was talking about my parents does it does it seem sorry just really quick does it no no you're good like like he kind of came out of nowhere i know there was a bunch of democrats that were like we're done we're in and we're doing this and so from the beginning you kind of saw who was in the race you know and you were like oh okay it's a <laughs> lot of them but you know who's involved and then it was like wait biden's in and all of a sudden he's in the top like it just was that's what it felt like to me right i don't know so, and you're so right julie you're so right like <laughs> i mean really think about it he wasn't even campaigning in most of the states he won he wasn't even campaigning he That's didn't have a campaign team he wasn't he had the name recognition of being uh, obama's vice president okay that's one thing but i mean also look at 
like you said, first it was like all these other candidates, and notice how it was like week after week, like a few weeks it was this one candidate, and yeah, then a few weeks later, coming, the, the coming, coming. Like, oh, oh, this candidate, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it's Beto O'Rourke, he drops out, maybe it's Kamala Harris, oh, she drops out, maybe it's Pete Buttigieg, oh, no, maybe it's Amy Klobuchar, they all, and like, you know, one after one, because Bernie was taking him out and Tulsi took out Kamala, you know, in, in that one debate, you know, calling her out. Mm -hmm. But, it, and then, and then it became Joe Biden. Así como nada. Oh, mm -hmm. there, so that's even, a wrap, folks. Let's... Even Elizabeth Warren, at some point I was like, wow, she's kind of yes, hanging were... in there and she's really kind of putting in the work and it still took her out. Everybody, everybody but Bernie. They were like, and we'll take every, they, that one, uh, Devin Patrick, Devin Patrick. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, he they even brought it, they even brought him in for like a week or two, and then they realized like he was polling at like one percent, not even one percent. Uh -huh. So they're like, okay, never mind. And but the headline for one of the one of the stories for one of them for mainstream media was Pete Buttigieg in fourth, but a strong fourth. I was like, what? How? What is that? What does that even mean? What is, that what is mean? like? How is that even? How are you trying to peddle this to us? And I mean. Holy and it up, and it did surprising. and that's how it happened it was just kind of like a strong four yeah oh, my little one just came in i'm gonna in turn the fan real quick okay yeah go <laughs> yeah that's cool because my little one just came in and was like i gotta go pee <laughs> <laughs> okay go gotta pee, do what you gotta do <laughs> i know right? for me growing up when people and it's funny when people hear that i was the baby they're like oh so you're you got everything you wanted huh i'm like no dude like my parents were t my parents worked so hard, you know. Like mm -hmm. my parents worked so fucking hard just to you know provide for us, you know. And and they really made sure they Your worked typical hard immigrant to the point story. Where they yes, dude, a hundred percent. And they worked mm -hmm. so hard to the point where we never wanted for anything, and we we didn't. Like I mean, I remember, I remember seeing that. I remember knowing that, being very aware of that, being being very cognizant of the struggle that it was for my parents to do everything they did for us. I I, I really saw that. You know, my dad was always working to, to provide for us, and my mom worked too. My mom had a job, but she was also playing mom. You know, she's fucking working double overtime, doing everything. Okay, hold on, just a second. I'm gonna. No, for my sure. Sister, for sure. My sister joined us in, but I have to like. Oh, cool. Add her on here. Unless did she? I know, right? You were accepted. Sure. I do want to um, make a comment about what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. I do notice some things in terms of like the birth order and how it applies to personality. Cause like I'm the oldest of four. I think in some ways, and I don't know if it has to do with like the family dynamics and how we also came, you know, we're an immigrant family. I don't know if maybe right, I right. felt the pressure of like, oh, you kind of have to step up and take care of your siblings. And, and then like a cultural thing yeah. too. Because yeah. I do see, I do see that with you were like my, the second mom. You yeah, were like and like and the like the thing mom. is that nobody assigned that role to me. Like my mom never said, "Oh, you should be." Like it was you just something that I kind of felt like I had to do. But I always did feel a, a sense of responsibility about their well-being, and I would yeah, worry about them, you know. Most definitely. And I see that with my first one. We also felt kind of bad, right? I thought growing up, like we had our essentials, like our needs were met, like food and you know course, bills were yeah. paid or whatever, but we we knew one thing that i can say from like all my family is like their level of like i don't give up what you have to think or say this is my truth this, i'm gonna live in my truth mm -hmm. and they definitely that's been instilled in me that that sort of like i don't care mm -hmm. like i i'm gonna Take say me what as i am said. i mean honestly like i was so influenced by my brothers and friends of his that became my friends as well when i was like maybe like 10 or 11 mm. that combined with 
like I said, my family's like the, my upbringing and, and, and I hate to use the term cause I, you hear it so much nowadays on mainstream media or just different outlets. So uh, the lived experience, I saw the effects on the city. I was born in El Paso, but I, we moved to Anthony. I was like four or five years old okay. and there was a plant like really close to the school. And I remember a few years after we had moved to Anthony, you know, it, it closing down. And that was, mm-hmm. a, that was a result of NAFTA and over 300 jobs were lost. That just that's just one example. That's one example of the many I saw of all the different things, all the different struggles that that I grew up to see that I that we lived in. We we lived we lived through some really interesting times. I feel like in this country, yeah. I'm I'm gonna ask this at the risk of of offending, and it's mm-hmm. a question my mom told me. You're never supposed to ask a woman. Mm-hmm. How old are you? Forty one. I don't care. By the way, it just didn't bother oh, me to. I love it. I don't care. Are you really? I'm gonna be forty two in December. You're. You're so vibrant and so like Dude, I don't know. Like, you're I just so you like. <laughs> I see. I'm sixty. No, no, I'm joking. no, yeah. no. I mean, I mean, you look, <laughs> girl. You look great. You look. I mean, thank you. I would never have guessed that you're so vibrant and your energy is so like. No, so, yeah, I don't thank know, you. So, hey, no, I turned, no. I turned thirty. I turned thirty next month. I, for sad. some, I for some reason, I thought you were still in like your early twenties. Everyone that's, says that. I don't I, know if that's oh, a yeah. good or a bad thing. I'm like, I hope it's a look thing. I'm cynical as hell, I feel. <laughs> that's why I think sometimes I feel like I'm 80. I'm 70 or 80. I'm like, oh, I'm better like or worse. completely the opposite. You know, like, I want everybody to be happy. Res- I want no fun. Let's listen to each other. <laughs> you know, I, I am, I'm like that too. I, I really am. I like the peace. I like there to be peace and tranquility. I like everyone to get along. I like people to like me. I like to like people. But at the same time, I'm also going to call some shit. I think, I think in a way, your personality is needed. People like you that feel that way is needed. Because in order in order for that peace to come, like what we were saying earlier, in order for the movement to continue, yeah, somebody has to be there fighting. Oh, for sure. And to, to Ada's credit, you know, that is also needed. I'm curious about something because I hear different perspectives depending on where people grow up with your similar life experience. So growing up, number one, Latino, Hispanic, Mexican, right? As a mm-hmm. gay man, how was that for you? Going back to, like I said, how we grew up in a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I grew up in a very interesting time because I grew up in a time, I mean, I was born in 91. So I grew up in a time when it still wasn't okay. You know, mm-hmm. when you were, it was taboo where you could get your ass beat or you you get killed. I mean, it's still, it's still a possibility today that yeah. those things will happen. But like you said, it is more, it's more accepted. It's more mm-hmm. in the mainstream and it's, it, it is being... You can find you people. can find a safe space more so now than yeah. before for sure. Yeah. I grew up in a time where it was like you couldn't do that. I remember since I can remember consciousness knowing knowing that I was gay. I didn't know what it, I didn't know it was called gay, but I knew I liked there boys was and something I knew I didn't different. Like girls. And I and I knew I couldn't tell anybody. I had the mindset that this is not something I can tell to anybody. And that's why I mean you, you know I stayed in the closet till I was 16. It was tough. I was tough as a kid for mm-hmm. sure. Always going to be tough for anybody, you know, yeah. I got bullied a lot. I don't know. I can't like victimize myself and be like, oh, poor me. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people who've gone through worse. And then also it's shaped me into the person who I am today. And mm-hmm. I have a thousand and one faults. There's so many mistakes I make still to this day and, and different things I wish I need to change about myself for the first time in my life. I'm actually happy and, and proud of myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think I told you. So I just got out of rehab like a so so last year because i was on probation first a uh, trouble i got into a few years ago mm-hmm. and uh i was kind of like every year like i'd go to jail because i was violating probation there was different factors that 
contributed to why like a couple times I didn't check mm-hmm. in and I got in trouble. But last year I did an assessment with my PO mm-hmm. and it was an assessment like asking about, you know, past trauma, drug use and everything. And, and I was actually for the first time ever, like with an assessment like this, very honest. And so my PO was like, you know, I'm going to present this to the judge and I'm, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. A few days later, it was probably the 22nd, I think it was a Friday. Mm-hmm. My probation officer calls me and he says, all right, do you want the good news or the bad news? I was like, hit me with the bad news. And he told me, you're going to have to turn yourself in, but it's only going to be for two weeks. And then you're going to get transferred to the rehab facility. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to turn myself in that Friday, the 22nd, I believe. And I was like, no, give, give me at least till Monday to like get things figured out, you know? Like, So um, I wasn't able to salvage my job. I, I lost my apartment, but I turned myself in August 24th. It was a Monday because of COVID. Two weeks turned into four months and I was in lockdown all that time. It was it was rough, you guys. Some of our constitutional rights were definitely violated. We were in lockdown. You were in a five by 10 cell, 23 hours a day. You got to get your one hour to like walk in the little area, make, maybe make a phone call, take a shower. And that was it. Uh-huh. We weren't allowed outside at all. I didn't see the, I didn't see the sun for 30, those 38 days until they transferred me to the annex, which is on the east mm-hmm. side. But you know, when I, when I got transferred to the rehab facility, I was grateful, grateful to be mm-hmm. out of jail. I was like, I was motivated, you know, and I kept that motivation. Mm-hmm. I had a moment of clarity where I was like, you know what, it's time I got to be clean and sober. I let go of the resentment I had of being in jail, you know? I was pissed off for a while. And then that's, I mean, cause that's one of the things that rehab will teach you to do is accountability. I wasn't living my, in my truth as much as I tried to portray that, that I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Being in rehab really, there's something about that feeling. A messed up way to say it, it's, it's a high. It's something so pure. I, I mean, I'm not even high. That piece you, of you being in your so truth. And I've told you this many, many times. I see so much potential. I know you have like this heart that just wants to get things right for everyone. Like everything yeah. that you do is like, because I believe that people should have these rights. Basic, civil, yeah, you know, 100%. human rights. I think that probably going forward with you finding this freedom and this peace of this is who I am and I'm living my truth now I think that you can totally do everything that you've set your mind to do before I think that maybe this this was probably like lining up for this moment Julie I can't tell you how much I really appreciate that those words like you you said it perfectly you hit the nail right on the head I mean Mm Thank you so much. I thank you mm-hmm. for like, and thank you for sharing that for with your, me because I didn't even. No, for sure. No. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I, I figured I wanted to tell people eventually. If mm-hmm. people find out to hear, that's fine. I think because I, I have, a, I'll have a year sobriety on the twenty fifth of this month, and that's when I'm thinking oh, I'm gonna so tell people, you know, happened. this is what I happened because I know there's a lot of people that don't know what happened. There's a mm-hmm. few people I've told, but I mean, I haven't like come out like. On social media or just yeah. said anything about it but uh you said it just perfectly by living in my you should be so yeah. so incredibly proud of yourself that's you, hard I, really, I appreciate that i appreciate that i i do feel proud i'm i'm excited for what the future has to hold going back to like all the questions all the things we were talking about the socioeconomic issue create the people we are the you know, you asking about what it's like, to, what it's been like to be a gay, a gay guy, you know, growing up, a Latino gay guy growing up here in El Paso and everything. Like you said, it, it's it's knowing all those experiences and knowing all the things I've been through, you know, so many of them because of my own decisions, so many of them because of my own choices. And some of them, a lot of them, maybe because just by chance, just by the, by different, like I said, socioeconomic factors that have tied into that, which is why I pushed constantly always want something better for everybody not just for myself i see suffering and i i see people going through hard times and to me if you can, can empathize you can live this mm-hmm. life 
Yes, 100%. I wanted to ask you something. If you were to depart this world, whenever your time comes, what would you like people to be reminded of when they think of you? At the risk of sounding like redundant and like repetitive or or even like, I don't know, predictable, that I gave all I had for, for people and that there's always something worth fighting for and, and, and fighting for what's right for people. I just want people to be able to say, because of him, I didn't give up. Because of him, I held on to hope for one more day. Because of him, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to pass it along. I mean, I know that sounds so self righteous, but it, it truly, it's truly what I. No, and and I think you are doing that. Your current journey, right? Of like, yeah. I'm giving myself a chance, and I'm now fighting for me. That's also modeling that for for people. A hundred percent. When people talk about what it is to find God, I think to love yourself so unconditionally that you are able to inspire others to love themselves unconditionally and to be able, I think that is what finding God to me is. It, it, I mean, in, in wow. a weird abstract kind of way, it's, yeah, that, you know, like, God gave is love, me so chills. to love myself. I don't think I've ever Aww. heard anything. You got me chills right now, too. I was like, oh. <laughs> That was <laughs> really, really beautiful. Yeah. And I'm glad that I, I really just that, that you found that, and I'm glad that you were able to identify it, and now you're like pursuing that and sticking to that. No. I'm so Aww. grateful that I'm I got to do this you. with you. Yes, <laughs> no, for sure, easily, like easily, Julie. I mean, I I adore you. The kind words you've always had to say to me and for me, and the inspiration you give me, and the the motivation you give me, I'll be forever grateful. For. Thank good. you. I thank you both so much for sharing and like opening up, and and I loved this this. This was awesome. This was it was good, right? I'm this so excited. This is really great. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and I look forward to you joining us again next time. Until then, be love, be safe.